This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustlin'. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustlin.com. That's www.healthyandhustlin, spelled H-U-S-T-L-I-N, dot com. This is episode number 28 with my man, Eric Carrion. Four months ago, I heard that Eric was competing in triathlons, marathons, tough mutters, all in consecutive months. And I thought to myself, why in the world would he do this? So, to find the why, I invited him to coffee. This hour and a half conversation actually got really deep. Chesapeake had a guest speaker by the name of General Ed Polito. His story of Folds of Honor is amazing. So Eric went to this speech, and as he's listening, he thought to himself, man, this is how I'm going to contribute to society. This is how I'm going to give back. So Tough mutters, triathlons, marathons, he's smashing them. He's got a goal. He's trying to get to $5,000 to raise for the Folds of Honor. But more importantly, Eric, you have the heart of a champion, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking your time to come onto our show to share your story to the world. Eric, carry on. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. How's the family doing? Family's doing well. They're uh, keeping me busy all hours of the day and night, but and that's what you ask for when you have a family. Yeah. Married 10 plus years, two kids. Yeah, 10 years past July. We've got a three-year-old Graham and one-year-old Ella, and they are both unique and very special. Yeah. And very attention-grabbing. Yeah. You've been working at Chesapeake for at least eight years, right? Uh, going on your ninth? Or uh, ninth? Seven, seven going on eight. Seven going on eight. Yeah. And only time I've really seen you was at the gym walking by and you know with the occasional high recently i feel like it picked up you know just noticing you a lot more from a lot of my friends here talking about you and what you've been doing and we'll get to more in that a little bit later man but i can tell you that i definitely appreciate you always making time to meet with me for coffee and conversations and every time we meet it's been 45 minutes and it's always very authentic and very fun. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, man. no, the, the feeling is mutual. I mean, honestly, human interaction is, is key. And uh, when you find good people, you know, you try to surround yourself with them and try to make the world a better place together. Yeah, I agree. We Speaking of human interaction with society, 2018 and technology, how important <laughs> Is that to you, human interaction? Man, it's challenging raising two young kids and seeing their attraction to the technology uh, with their limited interaction with it. And I've got a younger brother who's uh, just graduated college and he lives very digitally. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the farther we get away from that, the more challenging it's going to be for us to um, really make some meaningful impacts because again, face to face human interaction, I think is mm -hmm. really key. So, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a key and we need to continue focus on that, you know, however small or however big we can. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that's why those coffee conversations are so important when we have them. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about meeting you is just that face to face and I could see your body language and it means a lot to me. Yeah. We, you know, one of the things here is, with Chesapeake, you know, we have people here in the office and we have people out in the field and, you know, a lot of people just take the approach of, Hey, I'm going to send an email. Yeah. And, and through my different career paths here at Chesapeake, you know, the last two, uh, including the one now I've been able to go out to the field and I can tell you how much more meaningful work we can get done, 
and and how much more the conversations and the progress that we make mm-hmm. um how, how much more just impact it, it is when we're out in the field actually working with them or you get pick up the phone and give them a call right uh, versus just the email yeah speaking of the field you recently went to the rockies yeah right? and you got to hang out with my boy Verl. yeah how was that colbert man yeah. he is uh, <laughs> i can't even recreate his laugh <laughs> The, the plane rain, the plane ride back uh, was a little delayed, and I think I was in like road two, and he was in route twenty, and I could hear every word he was saying. <laughs> but such a good guy. I mean, such a we got to ride around a lot in the truck together, and yeah, you know, he's he's another one of those special guys that really just you know he rubs off on you, and, and mm-hmm. you can't leave an interaction with Verl in a down mood, and and that's yeah. something that is just so special. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that human interaction really plays a huge role in that too. Yeah. 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 Great guy. Yeah. I'm going to dive into this, man. So you quoted a quote by Charles Wendell Mm -hmm. and it's something to the effect of life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? And what are your thoughts on that quote? Well, you know, when I take a look at life, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened to me. There's a lot of things that happen to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you, you know, you could break it down in so many different ways. Some people say the victim mentality, um, you know, you are what happened to you. But I like to take the approach of things are going to happen to anybody and everybody uh, constantly, day in, day out. The more you can change your attitude or your focus to think that did happen. Mm-hmm. I was abused as a kid or... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a drunk driver hit a car and it killed half my family. You know, I'm not saying either one of those are easy, easy obstacles by any means to overcome. But the more we can try to focus our efforts on this happened, whatever this is, how are we going to react to it? How am I going to, how am I going to survive? How am I going to thrive? Um, how am I going to turn this experience into a positive, um, positive event instead of a negative event? I think the more we can do that, the more I, the more I do that in my life, the easier it is to allow me to make progress, to mm-hmm. allow me to, to be the best person I can, to be a wholehearted person, uh, and to spread, you know, love and cheer and, and positive uh, emotions, interactions with everybody. Yeah. That's so important because when you're talking about that, I think about setbacks and breakdowns and they happen before you get through that certain breakthrough or that barrier, you know, so what are some of the setbacks that you've had in your own personal life and breakdowns that propelled you to whom you are today? Yeah. So by all means, I'm fully aware that I'm not a perfect person and I'll never be a perfect person. Uh, growing up, we moved around non-military quite a bit. And so, um, you know, having to overcome just moving from school to school, being a, being the new kid in the class, um, that was challenging for me, but, you know, I think that, that inevitably, you know, led me to hang out with a crowd mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily the best crowd you yeah. know, that every parent, including myself would love your kids to hang around with. And that was, you know, kids that like to experiment with drugs and alcohol. And I definitely did my fair share of experimenting and, um, you know, I, I never got extremely off the deep end. And when I explain more of my story, it may, you may be like, wow, I, he sort of did, but mm-hmm. I had a strong core family values that, you know, I can remember God, it was either 13 or 14. I was in a car and there was a girl that asked me if, you know, I want to do cocaine. And at the time, you know, doing drugs or smoking weed or drinking was mm-hmm. you know cool for me. And it helped numb some of the feelings I had of rejection. Um, but my strong core family background was like, no, that's definitely, I mean, I knew my addictive personality. That was a path I didn't want to go down. Um, and so just throughout life, um, you know, not making great choices when drinking and drinking and driving, uh, definitely got me into a DUI experience. And, uh, that's something that obviously I could have killed somebody, you know, mm-hmm. you see that day in, day in, day in, day out, something I, I'll do any more and, and wish everybody would stop doing. Um, but even that setback, you know, at the time I wasn't where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about when you get a DUI in Tennessee was that after 90 days, no matter what, what you were in, uh, on probation for, I got probation for it. 
you had to come in, get in front of the judge and do just a mandatory sentence review. Hey, mm -hmm. how are you doing? You're paying your fines. Probation officer speaks. And so, of course, I thought I was good with my probation officer. Everything was good. And I still thought I could get away with just experimenting and, and doing my normal drug use from here and there. And uh, so they asked me to do a drug test. Wow. And uh, I wasn't expecting that. And, of course, I told them I could fly with flying colors. I mean, why would you say no? Well, I was selected to be one of the random ones to provide a drug test. And that really, it led to me failing my drug test. And in Tennessee, they're usually pretty stern on if you fail a drug test, or you very much violate your probation, then you have to serve out your sentence, which a uh, probation in, for a DUI is what they call 11, God, 1159 or 11359. Anyways, 11365. Anyways, basically it's a year, mm -hmm. a year in jail. Wow. And so uh, meeting with an attorney, they said that there was a very high likelihood of me spending a year in jail. And whew, I was, uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, before that point, you know, being locked up for the night in jail uh, there. And I think I'd spend a couple of, that was for the DUI. And then the drug test had been a week. You know, I just couldn't imagine a whole year of your life, even if you lived to a hundred, a whole year of your life, just basically gone in a cell. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that, that core family that I had, you know, wrote the judge, my parents showed up to the, the hearing and stuff and it allowed me to, to basically have my probation reinstated and not spend that year in jail. Wow. Uh, so, so, I mean, there's, there's major setbacks that I've had to overcome and, but, but even then, again, back then I wasn't thinking life's 10% right. what happens to you, 90%, you know, your reaction. I could see that now. Uh, I could see that maybe wasn't something I ever like preached or thought of. It's right. just a matter of like, I sort of did that. Um, so those, I mean, those are the younger ones, even now with fertility, you know, fertility, my wife and I struggle with infertility for the first like six or seven years of my marriage. Oh man. And to be honest, I probably turned back to drinking for the first couple of years of our marriage to numb the pains I had with infertility. Mm -hmm. You know, inevitably we, you know, got things worked out and have two beautiful kids. But, um, but again, I can look at all those situations in the past and would I change any of them? Maybe if I could change a couple of little decisions, I probably would. But yeah. at the end of the day, the over, the bigger, uh, you know, getting the DUI, failing to drug test. I mean, yeah, those are both horrible events that I really wouldn't choose to go back through. But at the end of the day, if I wouldn't have had those experiences happen to me, A, wouldn't, I wouldn't be the same guy I am today. It wouldn't define me and then you know be easily i wouldn't have moved to oklahoma yeah i wouldn't have met my wife and i wouldn't have the two kids i have today so i can't say i'd go back and change everything uh, not necessarily like you know the best part of your record you like to talk about yeah uh, like record of life but uh but yeah i mean everybody has setbacks yeah i agree everybody has setbacks i agree how old were you when you got your di I mean, I think I was a couple months after 21. Wow. Yeah, so do you remember that night? I remember most of it. Um, and uh, I, so I worked at a restaurant called Smoky Bones Barbecue. And across the street, they uh, there's a TGI Fridays and in Tennessee. They used to have two for one. So you buy a drink, get a drink for free, which is great. Um, I also had a prescription for Adderall at the time. Hmm. And so anybody that knows about Adderall, you know, you, a lot of people use it for studying college. It's for attention deficit, but um, definitely if you're not taking it the right way or the, the right dosage, then it doesn't really do you the benefit that it's prescribed for. Yeah. Um, and so you combine that with drinking and two for one, and I would have them pour the two for one drinks into one drink. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, that the night actually it's, funny because i don't really know that i've talked about this in a long time but i was drinking with some buddies and there was a girl um at the time of course you right, know right. really good looking girl that i was interested in trying to date i didn't think i had a chance in the world of, of dating her well out of the blue I, I had asked her like the day or two before if she wanted to go out and she didn't respond and then of course i'm drinking with my buddies and she you know sends me a text like hey yeah let's Let's meet up tonight and go drink. So, of course, I'm on cloud nine. Mm -hmm. And also, 
drunk out of my mind probably. And so I still thought it was a great idea to go drive home and then be able to go pick her up and got on the interstate. And I guess I was going a little faster than I should have and swerve was swerving through the lanes. And next thing I know, I got pulled over. Wow. Yeah. So you got out, had to do the walk, all that. Had to do the walk. I mean, back of the police car still. Again, if Adderall just makes your brain just go at such a higher rate of speed that mm-hmm. I, I just remember like convincing myself and trying to convince the officer that I wasn't drunk. Uh, I don't obviously remember any of the words right. I said, you know, but, you know, I just I think even then I was like, oh, you know, it's going to get my blood alcohol back or whatever. And I'm going to just be walking, getting back in my truck and going and picking her up. And yeah. Then, you know, once he obviously placed me in the arrest, it was totally different story oh man i've never been drunk so i don't drink i I don't you know i can't relate however it's important that you know you just be honest about that story and others can listen to and learn from it yeah absolutely like i said it's not something i go out and just tell everybody every day but uh like we've previously discussed i mean anything i could do to to make a positive impact on one person one individual uh something i was thinking about on the walk over here was i've got an uncle definitely struggled with alcohol his whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. complete drunk, to be honest. He doesn't see it that way. Uh, doesn't pay his child support, doesn't do a lot of things, been in and out of jobs, never held, held down a job his whole life. And uh, recently, he got out of jail for not paying his child support, and I think amongst other things, for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't drinking in jail, you know, and then he got out and he was homeless, living in a forest in South Carolina. Uh, wow. And then his, his mom, my grandma, lives with my parents down in Texas. And so there's always been that disconnect. But my mom, by the goodness of her heart, is like, you know what? I want to I want to bring him here. I want to put him and help him get in a facility. You know, I, I feel a calling. And, and I love my mom. She's got the biggest heart in the world. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of us kids were very skeptical because we just know the damage he's done on my mom and, you know, her mom and, and brothers and sisters. And so. Uh, fast forward, he's he's in a facility and he's not drinking. He's doing good things. And and when my mom told me about this, I said, you know, there's a couple books that I've really read. And it's not I, I sort of know how his brain works. I mean, being an addict, I, you know, addicts most part don't um, don't they need to hit the bottom themselves. And mm-hmm. so if you call him out and be like, oh, here's this Twelve Steps to Sobriety book and this stuff, and most time it doesn't work. But I'd recently read a couple great books. Uh, about overcoming adversity and just ran like I mean just the craziest stories you could think of. I said, you know, maybe if I sent these to him with a personal letter, what's it going to hurt, right? right? Maybe maybe it could help. Um, and so I talked to my mom like a week or two ago, and this was a couple months ago. I was like, hey, did did Uncle Marty ever say anything about my letter or books? Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, he he read it and stuff, but you know, he just. Uh, you know, he basically thought the information you had in, in the letter was wrong. You know, he's, he's not a drunk. Uh-huh. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's just funny. And yeah. You know, you just, sometimes people see it and sometimes people don't. I mean, I'll, I'll own it. I've got an addictive personality. You know, I've struggled with that stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, I wish that I could share that. I wish he could have read my letter and mm-hmm. it could have made a positive impact. And, and maybe he'll listen to this podcast and maybe yeah. it'll make a positive impact. But at the end of the day, I know my intentions with my actions. I know my intention to come on here with the podcast is to share a story and, mm-hmm. and hopefully it can impact people and change people's lives, but I can't expect it. I can't expect the outcome and that's not why I do it. Yeah. So, um, just a little color around there. No, I, you are a very positive person and just listening to you talk about that, you, you are sharing uh, positive stories and you put yourself in his shoes because you've been an addict right. before and, that's helpful. And just looking at through that lens or listening through those ears, it helps me a lot. It helps me understand people way better. Yeah. You know, my wife and I talk about this all the time when we listen to these podcasts that we do, we meet our guests, our friends. It's, it's very eye opening, obviously ear opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing what, uh, what you're doing for your uncle, you know, it's, very, very amazing and thoughtful of you. Thank you. Yeah, man. So how do you contribute to society? Man, I, you know, positivity is a big, big thing for me. Yeah. You know, I like to be positive. I'm an optimist. Um, yep. You know, not every situation, unfortunately, uh, 
calls for it, but you know, I think in general we tend to uh, easily go towards a negative mindset. Mm-hmm. And so for me, being positive, sharing positive experiences, trying to bring out the best people. I mean, one of the things my dad definitely did for me is is when you wake up in the morning, you know, be grateful. You know, I'm grateful I woke up. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, everybody's got struggles. Everybody's got issues. Uh, definitely myself included. Some more than others. I mean, all the things we talked about earlier, I came overcame adversity. But some of those books I talked about were, you know, a North Korean refugee escaping into South Korea only to be sold into slavery. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's shipped. I mean, so it's like when you, you know, sometimes when you can compare the things that you've, you've gone through to others, um, it puts things in perspective. But, um, you know, I just like to take a very relaxed approach on life. It's a journey. Um, again, all the things we're talking about right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't there when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. Very easily, I could have done different things and led to a different path and never been able to have these moments. But it's brought me here. It's allowed me to see different things. Yeah. Um, to be vulnerable and to, um, you know, just demonstrate by actions, not by words, you know, getting, getting into community service, you know, yeah. being nice to your, your neighbors. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Being vulnerable is important because I feel like you become more trust, trusting people feel like they can relate to you yeah. and tell you things that they would nor- not normally tell someone else. Right. But just listening to someone's story and just, actively listening to them yeah. is so important and sometimes yep. we just want to someone to hear them right there's no advice that they need just hear me out yeah yeah your dad told you to be grateful when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and so you're grateful when you wake up in the morning yeah leads to my next question this is one of my favorite questions to ask what are your morning habits man <laughs> right now kids <laughs> yeah kids getting out the door yeah uh no the morning habits like i said you know I open my eyes and, and I'm grateful to be alive. And so, you know, that's first and foremost. Morning habits really are getting up, eating breakfast, getting ready, getting the kids ready. I mean, with two young kids, it's definitely challenging to mm-hmm. not go down on, you know, quote unquote, our mood elevator when yeah. they wake up and, you know, they're cranky, they're crying. I mean, my daughter wakes up crying every single morning. Yeah. She don't wake up happy. So me, morning habits is getting up, getting the kids ready, making sure me and me and the wife are aligned on our daily plan and mm-hmm. and weekly plan and getting out the door and getting to work. Yeah. Yeah. You ever have me time as in Eric's own time? Mm, not in the morning. No. <laughs> not in the morning. During the day? Uh, man, it's hard. It's yeah. hard with two kids and a full-time job. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. mean, my me time, if, if, I were to really think about it, it really comes this time of year it's when i can when i can hunt yeah i can be outdoors in the woods um you know as as exciting as that is for me time because i i do slide on the introvert scale versus extrovert mm-hmm. um as as much as i value that time it also kills me because i'm taking away time from being there with my kids and stuff but it, um, but i know it's a necessary balance right yeah. you got to be a healthy you to be a healthy dad, yeah. I gotta be a healthy my. I gotta be a healthy Eric to be a healthy husband. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very aware of that, and so is my wife, and, and she does the same thing. So I know it's very important for us to be able to spend time by ourselves to reflect. I mean, being out in the woods, I'm able to be thankful of things, and like you said, it's it's the little things of the stars, and I don't even want to start talking about the universe because that just blows my <laughs> mind every time I start thinking about that. But I mean, the simple things is the trees, man. If the trees weren't here nobody be here we wouldn't be breathing you know so uh, just that's where i think i really can get re-energized and i can get my dose of spirituality is Mm -hmm. is out in the woods that's interesting i remember sending you a text last week and you're like oh yeah i'm in i think it's arkansas yeah and you said you're hunting and so i just left it at that because i figured i'm not a hunter however when people do go hunt they kind of just like it's them Mm -hmm. themselves nature and you know, it's basically a me time type yeah. of situation or with maybe your father-in-law or with a friend. I don't know who that might have been. However, yeah. it's important. Oh, it totally is. And my, my wife would laugh because before when she first met me, I wasn't a hunter. Mm. And I think it was a 
uh, a hidden gene that I had that once I met her father that it, you know, was truly developed. So uh, I do like to, it, I, she laughs, I call it like a second calling. I mean, it's just, it's in my blood. Yeah. Uh, I could live in the, in the Rocky Mountain National Park, but uh, maybe in another life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, you talked about quite a few different setbacks and going back to when you went to court and you were like, oh, they're not going to call on me randomly to do a drug test. Mm -hmm. But you got called on randomly to do a drug test. What yeah. drugs were you on? Uh, smoking weed. Hmm. Yeah. At that point, smoking weed. I mean, maybe some pharmaceutical pills. Wow. Can't really... Don't really know the gambit at that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of that's cloudy. Some of it's very clear. But yeah. uh, definitely marijuana was uh, the drug of choice. Wow. Even over alcohol. I mean, alcohol was legal and it was a social thing. But uh, yeah. I definitely liked marijuana. That was that was it. Yeah. The reason why I was asking that is because all these setbacks, like, man, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing that you went through all this. And then you talked about the vehicle and crashing, killing half the family. Was that a figure of speech or yeah. did that really? No, that okay. was, a, that was totally a you okay. know, figure of speech, man. If, okay. Yeah. That would be, that'd be really tough to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I was wondering. So with all these setbacks, man, um, what is another moment or moments that you'd like to share as far as what we call a defining moment that's happened in your life? Yeah. So, I mean, I consider myself like a growth oriented person. You know, I, 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 I want to improve and, and that's both on myself, uh, personally, being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a member of society. Uh, and, you know, so I, I would say, you know, the start of the whole defining moment journey is, you know, I finished school and got my master's degree last year um, to help my career. And, and then it, you know, even at that point, I guess my, when I finished school, my daughter was just being born. So, uh, I thought I had free time then. So I really started picking up, reading a bunch of books, leadership, military, mm -hmm. personal growth books. And I started getting into Brene Brown and, and anybody that's read Brene Brown, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, but her daring greatly book was really impactful to me. Um, really shares the story about shame and vulnerability and it it shared it in a light that resonated with me that I think helped pivot, you know, my part of my adult life of mm -hmm. really wanting to be a wholehearted person thinking, just really thinking bigger, like how can, you know, I can be the best dad, I can be the best husband, what else can I do, who else can I impact, you know, what positive contributions can I bring to society and really it was being vulnerable and being a wholehearted person like through and through, not just on the surface, not in, you know, small pockets, but, you know, trying to do that every single day yeah. from the time I get up, time I go to bed. doesn't always happen, but, you know, I just start the day anew and, and start again. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I was doing a lot of working on myself, working on dad, working on um, being a dad, being a, being a husband and, and being a coworker and friend. Uh, but I just felt like there's still something missing, um, something that I wasn't doing. And uh, I previously mentioned I love reading military experience, yeah. military books. I mean, especially first person, World War II, World War One. Mm -hmm. It is just, I, you know, words are even hard to put into grasp. And, and even into that, excuse me, you know, current conflicts we have going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just unbelievable to hear these American, you know, stories, people going in and the things they had to put up with and, and they did it all on behalf of our country for the, for their families and for, you know, the great United States of America's family. Mm -hmm. So I always was drawn to that. Um, and I never got the chance to serve, but we had a guest speaker come in, uh, and it was major Ed Polito. Yeah. He's, uh, he owns a couple of his own companies, but then he, uh, senior vice president at Folds of Honor. Uh, I didn't know anything about the organization or really what he was going to talk about. And I think it was intertwined maybe with our safety talk. Maybe that was after, but um, he just told this, uh, I don't know, to me, a, like a unbelievable story of him overcoming adversity back in, I think it was 2003 in Iraq where, you know, he was um, in a, in a Humvee 
traveling in Iraq and got hit by an IED, uh, lost his leg, you know, definitely has um, brain issues, uh, traumatic brain uh, issues, um, you know, thought about committing suicide while he was in the hospital, you know, after being this patriot. And yet, you know, throughout the story, one of the things he said is that that day was the best day of my life because it allowed him to be where he was right then speaking to us mm -hmm. making such a positive impact for veterans and their families and just a member of society and to hear him and his story and overcoming adversity um you know i think it really it, i mean it impacted me it mm -hmm. was very much a defining moment for me and so um after that i was able to talk to him briefly you know really thank him appreciate the story he told and yeah and i felt like maybe i could you know, maybe I need to look into Folds of Honor and what they do. Yeah. And so I went home that night and I did some research and it's an amazing organization. Uh, anybody that's not aware of Folds of Honor, what they do is they, they give out scholarships to uh, families of veterans um, who have either died in action or died um, or are, you know, severely injured mm -hmm. where they can't work anymore. Um, and so they give $5,000 scholarships to families and so far, they've never denied any scholarship applicant that qualifies. Wow. So I know, like, I think this year it's over $25 million. Um, and I just thought that was such a great way to give back to, you know, our heroes, you know, people that have really tr paid the ultimate sacrifice mm -hmm. defending and protecting our country. Things that we just, to be honest, the majority of people just take for granted every single day. Um, yeah. And so... I found a calling there. I found out that you could start your own fundraiser. And so within a couple of days, I had started a fundraiser. Uh, I've participated in a couple like small uh, little obstacle course races before, but nothing too major. And I think to that time I had ran like maybe five miles or six miles once. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I could push myself. Uh, you know, if, if these guys can pay the ultimate sacrifice, I can push myself and test myself. Um, to give back. Yeah. So I put in a bunch of different obstacle courses, you know, and I thought maybe I could raise a thousand dollars. And so I even put like a stretch goal of $1,500, you know, I'll run a marathon, $2,000. So I'll do this 12 hour obstacle endurance race, you know, fully yeah. not expecting to really have to do those stretch goals. And I think I had, I don't know, $1,200 within two days raised. And yeah. so that was, uh, pretty eye-opening to me that people, you know, are willing to get back and mm -hmm. give back in a strong way. And, yeah. um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, and is definitely, you know, my, my most recent and strongest defining moment. Yeah. You sent me a few links and you sent me one, which I found was super powerful about how Folds of Honor started. Right. And about a gentleman get ready to the border plane, but the captain mm -hmm. got over the PA. So would you mind walking our guests through, our listeners through that video? Yeah, sure. So Dan Rooney, uh, the founder of Folds of Honor, was on a flight. I uh, can't remember if it was somewhere in the Northeast, I believe. But he was on a flight, and when he got on the flight, he noticed there was a military serviceman in his full-dress uniform, nothing out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. um, and so he... You know, noticed it and the flight was normal and and then when he got off or when they landed captain came over the intercom and said hey you know if you don't mind please you know remain in your seats you know we're to boarding a you know true american here we have an american hero on board and, and um you know we're paying our tribute and so he, he initially thought well you know i see military members in uniforms all the time. What did this guy do? What, why is he so special? And, mm -hmm. you know, it was about that time, I believe he looked out the window and, you know, saw an entire family waiting on the tarmac and then, you know, a coffin, you know, draped in the American flag and, yeah. you know, his mindset, mindset changed immediately. You know, the perception of, wow, like this is a serviceman who paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and, uh, it may have been before or not, but it, I guess it, the story comes is that, it was actually the military members um, who was on the plane. It was a, his twin brother mm -hmm. um, who had died in action. And so 
you know, during that and that impactful moment for him, you know, people were just getting up and leaving. And, you know, he he just felt moved that maybe that was that was his defining moment of, yeah. you know, we need to do something. What can I do? What yeah. can I do to really show our appreciation here? I mean, we've got Americans just leaving the plane when people are paying their ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. So, you know, how can how can I impact the world? How can I change it? And, you know, that's where Folds of Honor began. Man. So. Growth mindset. What can I do more? What can I do better? That's what you're taking on, man. Yeah. You know, you talk about these races, the 12 hour endurance runs, and you start off only running five to six miles yeah. at a time. You're not just running one endurance race and one marathon. You've got a list <laughs> of races that you want to compete in yeah. and raising money for. And this isn't the money going to you, this is money going to the cause. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, where's some of these races, man? A lot of them are in Dallas. Uh, so, I've already done two. Two races. The most yeah. recent one was a Tough Mudder 10 miler. And uh, anybody in the Dallas area knows that it's been like the wettest August, September, and I think now October that they've had a, ever had on record. So the Tough Mudder was a 10 miler, um, which, which, so to date, I think I've raised over 36, maybe $3,700 with the goal of 5,000. So, like you just mentioned, it's definitely, I've, I've hit all the goals that I can and uh, I could put more races in there, but then I'd probably die. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. Um, but the 10 mile Tough Mudder was down in Dallas at the end of September, and they had to move all the parking off site to a distribution center. I mean, the walk just to the course, you know, like I say, it was excruciating. But I mean, you could tell by that point that it was gonna be killer. And so mm -hmm. the guy, the announcer, is like, you know, it's this is definitely within the top five tough mudder courses that we've done all year of just the muddiest. And so you're talking about you're running. I think I've, I've used the analogy of running a, an uphill slip and slide in the mud <laughs> with five pounds of mud, you know, caked on your shoes. Right. And so, um, been training. I did half marathon training knowing that after that race, I was going to have to begin marathon training for a marathon. I'll have to compete in to, uh, at the end of January. And I've got a uh, a Spartan race next Saturday that's 13 miles and 30 to 40 obstacles. And mm -hmm. then I don't have the 12-hour endurance one scheduled uh, next week or next year. Yeah, I hope not next week. Next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be honest, man, it's, you know, I haven't been telling much people, but I got a foot injury right now. I, I, I had my race and that was great. And... um came back i had some work field visits i had to do so i ran a couple miles while i was there but not as much as i should have to start marathon training and so mm -hmm. i got back and i was like i need a win i need to go get a good run in just to get my my mind right and so i went out and ran like seven and a half miles and it was good no problems and you know throughout the day of doing different things and i just felt like a tweak in my foot and i don't know if it was a stretch factor or some kind of tendonitis but i mean i've been dealing with a, a foot injury that hasn't allowed me to run uh, and, and so it's been two going on two and a half weeks now and I've got this 13 mile race next week. Oh man. And so, you know, my mind is definitely on, I've committed to these things, you know, all of the, all of the funds for the races I paid for myself, which, mm. you know, is a byproduct of it, but I've got, you know, I've got an investment here through myself. I've got an investment to the people that signed up for this cause to get back to these military families and. You know, one way or another, I know I'm going to overcome this injury mm -hmm. and I'm going to complete that race. Uh, I'm going to compete in the marathon no matter how daunting it is because, you know, I, I bring it back to those soldiers, you know, that I read about. And, you know, they're in Guadalcanal and, you know, knee deep mud getting fired on from every angle. And, you know, they're over overcoming that obstacle you know, was life threatening. I'm overcoming a foot obstacle to complete a race, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it's scary, you know, it's yeah. scary, not, uh, training like I did and like I have been to be able to go into these races prepared. And, you know, maybe my expectation is to completing the race instead of, you know, running through it and or choosing, you know, completing every obstacle and all that stuff. I mean, I will complete both yeah. and others, but, uh, definitely a little more daunting now. 
Well, I, I feel like just listening to you speak, I, I feel like completing the, these races won't be uh, won't be hard for you. I know you're you're going to do it. I mean, it'll be maybe my mindset's there. I'll just see if my right. body will come. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, if you think about this as far as numbers statistically, when you're getting ready to run, that gun goes off and you're taken off through these obstacles. How many people in the United States are just at home watching college football? Mm -hmm. Myself included, yeah. watching college football <laughs> while you're doing this. And hey, you can come down there and race with me if you want next week. Man, dude, I I got problems my with with confidence, <laughs> so I stress my confidence confidence a little bit. So I won't, I can't be joining you. All right, okay. But I think you know, I think you've inspired me. One, maybe next year I should join you on a. A race. Hey, I'll, I'll do it. Let's on do a it. run with you and raise some money for Folds of Honor. I think it would be amazing. That'd be great. Yeah. Growth mindset habits. Do you think there's a correlation? I think they need to be. Um, you know, the more you can integrate your life altogether, you know, the more you can take the things that you do outside of your normal daily activities um, and incorporate them to where you want to go. Um, you know, I think the better off you're going to be. So uh, while I'm doing this fundraiser and I'm trying to think about maybe next year's fundraiser, I'm probably not going to do all the obstacle races I have been. It's a very, yeah. it's a, it's a large time commitment and not that the time commitment is not worth it. It's just a matter of what else could I be spending that time doing to make the impacts I can. I still will train. I still will put up some type of obstacle course. Mm -hmm. Um to raise funds for Folds of Honor. And I think I'll have no problem raising the funds. Um, but what other things can I do to give back? I mean, working more with Folds of Honor, volunteering at, at their events that they have. Um, you know, one thing I know my wife and I want to do is we want to always continue to grow. And so we mm -hmm. want our kids to have that mindset. And so I think allowing them, once they get of age, to start volunteering, giving yeah. back, seeing, seeing that people don't have the path they have. You know, I mean, our kids, my kids are going to ra be raised very fortunately in my mind mm -hmm. uh, compared to a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, there's people in the world that don't have running water that, you know, I mean, and you can you can go as deep as you want. But right. um, I think always wanting to be better is, is extremely important uh, for me personally. No, I agree with you. And I think you hit. A great point always wanting to be better striving for something better and i like to add on to that is how how can we become better and lift everyone up because sometimes there's that mindset where people unintentionally step on others feet if you will yeah. feelings smush them while they're trying to get to the top where i firmly believe that we can all definitely get better if we help each other out yeah, I mean, today's society, unfortunately, in a lot of situations, put people, you're on one side or the other. Yeah. And that, all that does is create animosity yeah. and conflict. And what what positive things come out of that? None. You know, I mean, especially in a digital age, right? You mm -hmm. don't have that face-to-face -face interaction where I can explain to you my side and then you hear it. You can see my body emotions, but then we can have a, a debate or a conversation, right? Instead mm -hmm. of you posting, who's with me? you know, <laughs> yay or nay, and then right. automatically you're either a friend or an enemy. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I just ask everybody to think, you know, think at the, at the root level, we're human beings, you yeah. know, we're, we're people, you know, and, and we may have differences of opinion and those are going to exist, but just because people have a difference of opinion shouldn't make them an enemy. You know, mm -hmm. the world, the world isn't going to be a better place if everybody's your enemy. Uh, life's going to fly by so fast and you're going to look back and maybe you won't look back at that point, but you know, what does it really accomplish for us to, you know, have beef with everybody yeah. you know, to be upset at everybody? I mean, it, it's just, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's hard when I, I, I try to distance myself from people that are negative. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll help them. I'll talk to them. I want them to grow, but you know, it rubs off on you. And so mm -hmm. people, people usually aren't, well, I'd say that I'm not attracted to negativity. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes negativity attracts negativity, you know, right. and, and, right. you know, why we, we shouldn't shy away from it completely. You know, it's, it's something that I think people, the more they're aware of, the more they can 
again, I'm not saying change who you are. You know, some people, that's just where they go, right? And mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing to be cautiously, you know, pessimistic, right? I mean, right. I've definitely heard that people that are overly optimistic overlook some critical, you know, factors of things that can, you know, really make an impact. So in my mind, there is a certain amount of negativity or a certain amount of, it's the whole, you know, have you ever stepped into somebody else's shoe and seen it from their point of view, mm -hmm. right? Definitely, there's other there's situations where it's very easy to do that. Yeah, there's situations where it's very hard to do that. Yeah, um, but the more we can do those type of things, the more we can look at each other as you're a human being, I'm a human being. Uh, the more I think that you know, you'll be happy. You'll have better relationships, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your neighbors, whether it's with your interactions with people at Walmart or whatever grocery store you go to yeah. or your coworkers. I mean, it's. Uh, it's contagious in my mind yeah. and, and I've seen it work. And again, I don't do the things I do because I expect people to react the way mm -hmm. I in, in a perfect world want them to. Yeah. I do them because I think it can make a positive impact and, and I'm being the best person I can be. And I think it can help make the society a better place. I love that man. Yeah. Growth mindset. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the path forward for Eric? Uh, Path forward right now is is again being the best dad I can, yeah. Being the best husband I can, uh, and just being the best overall wholehearted person I can be. Um, a lot of this stuff is you have to be intentional about. You can't just read a book and be like, "Man, that's it. Path forward done. Mm -hmm. Rest of the life's figured out." Um, so constantly improving, constantly giving back. Uh, you know, I've got several races in my in my near future. Yep. Uh, the holidays definitely tend to be an exciting time with <laughs> yeah. friends, with again interactions just with people at stores. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately, I feel like I've said it unfortunately like 20 times, but uh, the holidays can bring out the worst in people. They yeah. can bring out the best in people for Agreed. sure. Um, and so in, in my mind for the path forward for the holiday season is again, trying to be best guy I can, the best person I can, and, and keep those interactions positive. You know, if I see people struggling or I see people down, you know, making sure that I'm being intentional about trying to spend time with them, trying to bring them up. Yeah. Uh, you know, all it takes is one person changing one person's life. And then from there, the things that we don't realize are the ripple effect. You know, you throw that little rock in a and a still pond and yeah. you may be able to see that first ripple but you really don't see all the ripples i mean mm -hmm. there's i didn't do it myself i didn't become the way i am right if my parents wouldn't have cared if my parents wouldn't have gave back if my sister wouldn't have wrote a letter to that judge i very much well probably would have spent a year in jail yeah and wow. then who knows we wouldn't be standing here we wouldn't or sitting here we wouldn't be talking yeah. you know that's very i wouldn't true. have the kids i have today so yeah and uh, the ripple effect is is very real so I love it, all man. I want to do is create that first ripple and, and the rest will just happen on its own. Yeah. You talked about being intentional. What's one thing you're intentional about? I think just caring, just caring about people, caring about my family. Um, but again, sometimes it's not easy, right? You get stuck in the daily grind. Yeah. Uh, but just truly caring about the people that surround you, the people that you interact with. Uh, next time you go through the drive-thru, you know, not just being on your phone, grabbing the food and going. I mean, that's a human being you're yeah. taking that food from who has a family or has a life. And when you don't give them the time of day, that makes an impact on people. Yeah. And so I'm very intentional about caring and interactions with people and knowing what kind of impact that can make. Man. Inspired, dude. Wow. If we had mics, we drop them, but we don't. <laughs> I can do a fake drop. Yeah. <laughs> Last question for you, man. How do you want to be remembered? Also a good one. Look, I'm just going to go out every day and be the best guy I can. You know, best father, best best dad, uh, best, best husband. And I think just, again, an overall wholehearted person. You know, I'm going to give my best foot forward on how I can make an impact. So uh, the way that I want to be remembered as is, is a great father, uh, 
a great husband and someone that just loves to give back in any way possible. Nothing too much more than that. Very, pretty simple. Yeah, I like it. How do people get in touch with you? Man, I got a, I'm actually about to launch a Facebook page uh, with the help of one of my supporters, Jane Davenport. Uh, but you can follow me on Facebook, Eric Carrion, K E R I A N. Um, got a Folds of Honor website. I don't have it in front of me. You want me to insert that later? Oh, yeah, we'll put uh, it on there. But, uh, show notes. but the Folds of Honor website, I mean, anything to do with Folds of Honor, whether you give back to my, my, my fundraiser or the fundraiser in general. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have any specific questions, it's just eric.carian at gmail.com. I'd love to interact with any of your podcast listeners. And if there's any other ways I can give back, uh, you know, always willing to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate your time. And let me recap is you are an inspiration, man, to me, to everyone you come in contact with, with our colleagues here at Chesapeake. I've met many of them. We have mutual colleagues that we have coffees with and we have lunches with and every one of them has said that you're top notch so thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast and dropping some inspiration for our listeners yeah i appreciate you doing it man it's everything goes for you i mean every interaction i have with you is extremely positive and and uh anytime your name's brought up big smile comes across people's people's <laughs> faces so and they've done a lot and you're going to continue to do a lot and and uh just, proud to know you and be friends with you oh we got this together man got it all right brother all right we'll see you i truly hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share please reach out to me i would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast here's how to find me visit my website www.definingmomentspod.com follow me on twitter at defmomentspod.com that's at D-E-F Moments Pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.